Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Take 3 Podcast. My name is Alex, and I'm joined by my co-host, Brandon. And this is actually a special episode. We have a guest on the pod, Blaine. How are you doing today, Blaine? Doing well. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, we're excited you're here to talk some golf. So we're going to go ahead and preview the 2021 Open. Um, last year was canceled due to COVID. This year it's going to be uh, held at the Royal St. George's Club in England. It was last there in 2011. It's the last major of the year. Um, we got Shane Lowry, the defending champ from 2019. And uh, this is going to be a difficult, difficult course this weekend. It's a par 70. It's uh, just about 7,200 yards, 7,189 to be exact with the weather always changing fast and frequently. So uh, what are y'all's initial thoughts heading into the weekend? Um, I'll I'll give Blaine the the floor first as the guest. Yeah, you know, I think this is an interesting one because the Open Championship typically allows any style of player to win. You know, you guys guys did a U.S. Open preview last month, and you guys kind of nailed it. You know, it's, it's it's the bomber style course that's how the usga sets it up it's all about you know who can hit it the furthest and then you know muscle it through the rough and this is a this is a totally different style of course it's links style but it doesn't fit a specific golfer profile so i think my initial impression is really just you know it's going to be a mixed bag you can't go in here and say bombers only you can't go in here and say bombers can't win you you know you got to kind of have an open mind so you look at the past winners 2003 ben curtis and 2011 darren clark i mean what are we doing here this is a this is truly a course where anyone can win yeah i i would um yeah i completely agree i think you try to sit here and you do a preview for this championship and it's really like you do one preview now and you wake up thursday morning and it's pouring rain with 35 mile an hour gusts of wind and it's like wow it's suddenly it's a completely different championship and yeah you mentioned the link style it's not really like i've joked about link style before where you can hit the ball 900 miles right and wow i'm still in play i have a second shot but i mean when you look at this course uh, there's hills everywhere there's thick fescue if you miss i mean you looked at i believe it was tiger woods i don't know what year i want to say oh three where he carded a seven on the opening hole just by losing a ball right off the tee so it's not really it's not really like wide open as most people would think of links golf where you can just go hit the ball wherever and you'll be able to save it. So it, um, yeah, as you said, it really presents anybody can win. That's why when you look at um, all who's favored, it's kind of, it's weird that they would have one golfer way uh, ahead of the field when anything can happen. You hit one bad shot and you could be out of this championship within two holes. So, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. It's always a good one. It's a tough one to wake up early and watch as I think groups are teeing off at like two in the morning on the East. So it's a, uh, it's crazy. Yeah. Like you said, it's a tough course. Um, how much weight do y'all put into the last time they played there 10 years, years ago in 2011, do you give the guys that played there last time an advantage at all? I don't, I mean, of course, familiar familiarity is always nice but I, I did go back and rewatch the the final round watched it twice actually 2011 final round the one thing I did notice about this layout uh you know Brandon did nail it with with the fescue and all that but the the big difference between other major championships especially in contrast to the U.S. Open is if you miss the if you miss the fairway you know two yards to the left or two yards to the right on a U.S. Open setup, you're in the th- you're in the thickest of rough. What I noticed, uh, you know, doing some reading, of 
course this week and then watching that final round in 2011 is that's not where the danger is. You can miss, you know, five yards right, five yards left and be fine. The way that, the way that you know, the RNA sets this up. It's, it's when you get way off track, like Brandon mentioned, if you get way deep into that fescue or specifically the, uh, the pop bunkers, that's where you're in trouble. This isn't a, oh, I missed, I missed the fairway five yards to the right. You know, I got to, I got to thrash it out like Bryson and Brooks have to at the, at the U S open. You can, you can manage your way, uh, you know, through this course, if, if you're hitting it straight within reason, but as soon as you get into those bunkers or as soon as you have those massive shanks or slices in your way off track, that's when you're really in trouble. So this, this sort of sets up in a way that it's still going to be a, you know, of course it's always going to be a ball strikers course at really any major championship, but specifically if you can just avoid the pop bunkers and avoid the, the big misses, you're going to give yourself a chance. Yeah, I, I would agree with that as well. I don't really put much credence into uh, what happened 10 years ago. I mean, as William said, you can have course familiarity, but he pretty much nailed it on the head. It's you've got to, um, these practice rounds I think are crucial early in the week because you want to figure out uh, where's the area, where do I want to land on this hole, right? Because the, the fairways are so undulated as well and you want to avoid the bunkers. So it really becomes, uh, it really turns out to be a, a second shots course. Can you get yourself somewhere on the fairway, around the fairway, in a spot where you're comfortable with, not on a hill, ball below the feet, ball above the feet, and just try to get yourself the, uh, the best opportunity to attack these greens? I'm going to assume, I mean, open greens are usually, they're fairly, they're larger than normal. But there's a lot of slopes on them as well. They're pretty undulated. So it's going to come down to a lot of second shots and being able to navigate your way around the greens as well, depending on what the wind looks like. But no, I would not really put a huge amount of credence into the uh, 2011 Open Championship here. And, that, and that's the other thing quickly is that the, the danger here is, is bunkers and the, the undulations. As Brandon said, it's, it's the sloping. This is in wild contrast to, to American-style golf where, you know, at the U.S. Open – you can be, you know, pretty much in a bunker. Well, they, they said it last month. And I think you guys may have mentioned it on the podcast. There were golfers saying our misses were aiming for the bunkers. Trust me, no one will be aiming for any of these bunkers this week. They were talking about let's, let's avoid the rough at all costs. Let's hit it into the bunkers and we can manage our way around this course. This is the complete opposite. This is the complete opposite. You can manage yourself from just off the green if you're – uh, not in the bunker and you can manage yourself from just off the fairway if you're not in the fairway bunkers, but it's going to be the sloping, the undulations and the bunkers that are going to cause you trouble. And it's really not going to have to do much with, you know, pure strength of, of mashing it out of the rough, unless you're way off track, way to the right, way to the left. And then you get to that nasty fescue. Exactly. Yeah. I don't want to, I mean, it kind of feels like a uh, Kia was set up with, probably worse weather and obviously the undulation or you could go back. So I've been comparing it a lot to, I think it was Shinnecock Hills with uh, that setup. Obviously there's not, I mean, there's quite a bit of undulation Hills with uh, Shinnecock and Aaron Hills in the U S where they both hosted a uh, major championships, but yeah, those are definitely, yeah, these guys, you do not want to be in those 10 foot deep bunkers as uh, you're doomed. Yeah. So the way I'm understanding it, it's basically anyone has a, has a good shot because it's such a tough course, as long as you really don't get majorly off track. Um, yeah. Course, course manager. 
Exactly. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, you've seen guys like, yeah, exactly. As Wayne said, there's the Darren Clarks of the world that went in 2011. There's uh, the Shane Lowry's of the world, Francesco Molinari's win uh, Open Championship. It's really the guys that don't get in bad spots and find a way to put a couple shots together as the field around them crumbles is uh, what it feels like. Yeah, so let's talk about some of the top guys. You got a uh, John Rahm coming in as the favorite at plus 700 looking for back-to-back wins. He's got a big uh, – odds-wise, he's got a big lead just looking at the numbers that they expect him to do much better than the others. Do you think that's a little uh, exaggerated or do you think he should come in as like a heavy favorite? Um, I mean, I think it's fair to put him out there as the favorite. He's coming off the U.S. Open win. He played well at, I believe, the Scottish Open last week. His game fits when you look at him as a Lynx player in general. That His game matches it. But, I mean, where I disagree, and I think we're all end up disagreeing, is how far ahead. Uh, he. I mean, he's a – I had it as 8-1 to as this morning. You mentioned even as 7-1, to which would – and then you have Brooks Kepka back there, who's arguably, I mean, on any given weekend can play just as good a golf, and he's – 17 to one. So I think, I mean, it's not unfair that John Rahm is the favorite. I'd probably have him as the favorite as he's in the best form, but uh, I just think the margin that they have him at is a little crazy. Yeah, that's well said. I, I just don't think, I mean, I think he opened it plus 850 in the next closest, at least uh, on Monday when it originally released was plus 1700. So they were literally telling you he was twice as likely, you know, as, as the next guy. And I think this is, you know, it's the old adage that you can't win a golf tournament on Thursday, but you can lose it. And that's the problem with these odds is that John Rom could, you know, a couple wayward shots and he gives himself no chance of winning the tournament. And that's why you can't say that, you know, he should have such a wide disparity in the odds, but he should totally be the outright favorite going into it. Okay. I like that. And uh, if y'all were betting just straight up winners, what are y'all leans? Like who do y'all like? Um, I mean, when you're looking at it for me, I personally, I like Jordan Spieth, 19 to one. He's won a, he's won an open before and he seems to be a guy that can navigate the bad conditions. I mean, I think we saw in that championship where he won, he hits a ball embedded into a hill and walks back, I believe back to the driving range and rips the ball over the hill. But I mean, Jordan Spieth just seems like a guy like the number and I like uh, how comfortable he is and kind of, he's been in every scenario that, uh, Golf can throw at him. He's been at the top. He's been at the low. He knows how to navigate if he's in a bunker, if he's in the rough. So, I mean, that would be one of my guys also. I like Kepka as well. I just feel it's Brooks. It would be crazy to not like Brooks Kepka at that type of um, number, knowing that he's a major guy. He's going to want to get a claret jug to kind of complete. I feel like he wants the career grand slam, so he's going to want to try to close in on that and uh, take that momentum into next year's Masters to try to complete a career grand slam. So those are just two off the top. I mean, there's multiple guys that I kind of like in this thing as well. Yeah, for me, it's, it's a tough one in the outright betting market uh, just because it's one of those tournaments where so many things can happen. And I'm not one that vaults right to the top of the board. I mean, if you put a gun to my head and just said, tell me the winner, I would say John Rahm. But in terms of bets I would actually make, I think really the only one that stands out to me in terms of just extraordinary value at this point is, is the Bryson number at 33 or 35 to one, just because, you know, Bryson's one of those guys. And, you know, a lot of people say this, it's the game of golf is one where any of the really the top 10 in the world, if they play to their ceiling, 
which doesn't happen often, but if, if everything goes peak their way, any one of the top 10 golfers in the world can run away with an event. We saw that with John Rahm at Memorial. We saw Dustin do that last year uh, on a couple of courses. And Bryce, well, same thing. Bryson did it last year at the U.S. Open. If you talk about, you know, peak Bryson, there's not a world where anybody would be shocked if Bryson won this event by four-plus strokes. So, I mean, just the value, at, you're, you're looking at a golfer that two months ago after his, I think he had one win this year at API, Arnold Palmer, um, two or three months ago, you know, you looked at the futures markets and he was the favorite to win the rest, the, the remaining majors. So the fact that, you know, you could have got him at plus 1,200, plus 1,400 a few months back, and now they're giving you, you know, more than twice that number. They're giving you a 33, a 35 to one. It's just the, the, the value is there for me in terms of if I'm going to, you know, uh, lay down some cash to make some cash. I can't do it with Rom. Brooks is even a little tough. A lot of those guys are really in the same 17 to 22 uh, to one neighborhood that I think Bryson just, it's just eye opening to see the guy that was the favorite for the remaining majors in this, uh, in this season to be at 33, 35 to one. That's facts. That's why you're the betting man. <laughs> I also like Fleetwood down there at 45 to one. I can't lie. He's had success at open championships and he had success at Shinnecock, which was probably a harder layout than, uh, than this course. So just to toss that in, but I did. Yeah, that's valid. Bryson DeChambeau. I mean, you're getting probably a top five player in the world at that value. It's scary. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up Bryson. That's the uh, number that caught my attention at 35 to one. It just seems like a little too low. Like if there's good value as a bet, but I want to ask y'all about one other guy, Rory McIlroy. Uh, he missed the cut in 2019, but he has a pretty good record when it comes to this major three top five finishes in his last four appearances, one in 2014. What do y'all think he's, uh, what do y'all expect to see from him? Um. I mean, Rory could definitely – he's right in that range where although he's, like, sporadic, he's probably – at his heyday, he's probably still a top, what, 10 to 12 guy in the world. So it's like – and he's in his – he's in his um, in his wheelhouse, right? He played all this style of golf growing up. So it's like it wouldn't be crazy to see Rory McIlroy hoist the trophy on Sunday, although I don't think it'll happen. But it's like – I mean, it's not a bad – it's not a bad value if you wanted to lay off Brooks, if you wanted to lay off Xander – and then obviously stay away from John Rahm. If you wanted to flirt with Roy McIlroy in his own backyard, I wouldn't say it's a, it's a bad idea. Yeah. For me, he's, he's more of a, he's more of a DraftKings or a DFS type play for me, just because the range of outcomes. It, I mean, you talk about a guy that can go out and shoot 80 in round one and he's done and he's, you know, he's planning on eating sandwiches in sandwich England, you know, on Saturday or a guy that can, Another another one of those guys. If it's peak Rory, everything goes right. His ball striking, obviously, he's one of the best drivers in the world. But his approach, and then he has one of those hot putting weeks. It wouldn't shock me if Rory McIlroy wins this event by four. So to me, he's not a guy I'm comfortable with, uh, you know, placing money money on as an outright winner. But sandwiched in between uh, Rom at the top and then Brooks, who are going to be definitely the top two uh, high end golfers in DFS this week. He's kind of in that no man's land. So you talk about everyone going all the way to the top with Rom or people dropping back a little bit with Brooks's major history. Uh, Rory's more of a DFS play for me. I like that. Get some leverage from the field, maybe a lower owned uh, elite golfer still that can come out. I like that. Um, are there any like low, like dark horse guys y'all think like under the radar, even lower than Bryson at all? Oh. Um... 
I'll let Blaine take that off the rip. Yeah, well, in my model, uh, it sounds crazy, and I'm not sure. You, you'll have to pull up his odds, Alex. I know they're not uh, – you know, he, he's way down the board. But number one in my model this week is Corey Connors, actually. So uh, there's a name for you right off the bat. Um, Abraham Answer is also uh, – he's number three in my model. I, I wouldn't – wouldn't feel good about that, though. I'm looking at his sand save numbers. He's 91 uh, in this field out of 156 players in sand saves. And you got to think about that. He's 91st uh, in this field, and this is sand saves out of American bunkers. Exactly. So if, if Abraham Answer, you know, can't succeed out of American bunkers, I want no part of him finding pot bunkers all week. So Corey Connors, I mean – just the fact that he's number one and he's he's inside the top 25. I mean, this is astounding as I look at these numbers. He's inside the top 25 in all the categories that I've put weight on this week. So if I just quickly run through it, off the tee, he's seventh in this field. Uh, strokes gained on approach, he's ninth in this field. Tee to green, he's 12th in this field. Opportunities gained, so that's how many times he's putting for uh, eagle or birdie more than the field. He's 14th in this field. His worst category, which is fantastic to see, uh, he's 25th in this field in bogey avoidance. He's number one in good drives. He's number 23 in sand saves. And he's number six in par four scoring. So, I mean, he's, he's top 25 in every category that I feel is important. And then specifically in the two that I feel are most important, which is bogey avoidance relative to the field and sand saves relative to the field. He still comes in in the top 25 out of 156 players. That's I like that. Uh, I looked it up. According to DraftKings Sportsbook, he's plus 10,000 to win outright, uh, plus 1,600 for a top five, and a plus 800 for a top 10 finish. Yeah, so that's – I mean, that's outstanding. Eight to one, 16 to one, and, and 100 to one outright for a guy who – you know, I'm not, I'm not telling you to go put a bunch of money on him, but just the fact that he pops in a field uh, with this field strength, uh, you know, with golfers like, you know, Rom and Rory and Kepka and Bryson, the fact that he's – Number one, when you combine all those stats, and then he, he's in the top 25 in every statistical category that, to me, is important here. I think, uh, you know, if you are looking for a dark horse, Corey Connors may be your guy. Yeah, that's good stuff. Um, dark horse for me. I'm going go to go with two old heads. Two old heads from England. I'm going to go with Lee Westwood. I've heard a lot about him. He's just kind of – it kind of fits that uh, an older guy, one in 2011. It's, obviously, I'm not putting a huge amount into it, but it's like he kind of knows how to navigate these golf courses. He's been on tour long enough. And then um, who else? Justin Rose. I mean, he hasn't been great, but he was, he was leading the field at the Masters and kind of doing his thing there. I don't know how he comes out on the model. Probably not great. But um, he's another guy that's just been around. And then, I mean, you look at – you have Harris English. I don't know. He's been hot. He played well. So, I mean, it's a crazy field when you start looking down the boards and it's like really – you look at the top and then you come down here and it's like any one of these guys could do it too. But, I mean, those are just a couple guys for me. I like that. I like that. Um, where do you see the score being at this weekend? Like, uh, what do you think the final – like the winning score is going to be? I believe last time it was here it was minus five. And it was a three-stroke win with uh, Dustin Johnson and McElroy getting second at minus two, with Clark winning it with minus five. Do you think it's going to be like a, a similar score? Um, if I had to go off as minus five, I'll say. I mean, there's more technology in the clubs. There's more obviously workout regimens and stuff than there was back then. I'd say there'd be a winner if I had to guess somewhere around 
eight under maybe seven eight under like I think it's going to be I don't know if anybody's going to quite break the 10 under mark I don't think you'll see somebody push it push the uh thing to where it gets crazy so I mean I'd feel comfortable saying eight under I mean I feel like it'll be a close one and it's a weird one where I feel like a guy that's not in the final pairing could be the guy to win this thing yeah I would have said uh I would have said right in there I was thinking minus six or so but this is one where you know it's it's weather dependent you know if this is all benign conditions the wind doesn't blow and you don't get that sideways rain that we've seen at opens uh in years past i mean of course somebody can go shoot 10 under 12 under um and then you can get really the real bad weather where it is raining sideways the whole time uh you know caddy every caddy has an umbrella over their guy's head and they're you know they're constantly trying to keep their their clubs dry and it's windy and, you know, you can't control your ball flight. And then that's one of those where, you know, you see in the open champ, the open championship where just staying at even par through four days ends up being a miracle. So, you know, I'm, I'm sort of right in between the two. So I think minus six, you know, somewhere in there, minus eight, as Brandon mentioned would be, uh, you know, could, could easily be the winning score. Yeah, to, to me, it feel, uh, I feel like it just varies with the weather. Like Blaine said it uh, really well. Like the weather is going to be what it ultimately comes down to, like when it comes to the score predictions. Um, y'all have any final thoughts or any uh, any favorite bets of the weekend or anything before? Um, uh, I mean, I'm going to look at some DFS stuff. I'll probably throw in a line or two. I mean, I'm not going to go crazy. And then as far – I might look at some long shots to toss in and see if they can do something crazy. But no, I mean, I really, I'm just excited to see um, what this event is going to hold and maybe try to conform my sleep schedule to, uh, to this event so I can actually tune in. It's weird. I've never, when the, when the groups came out today and I see the first groups off at midnight for me, I was like, that's, that's crazy. Yeah, for me, I'll just I'll just throw you a, a couple of interesting names. Not sure what I'm going to do with them. I mentioned one of them earlier. But three names that come inside my top ten in the model but give me pause. Uh, Morikawa, Abraham Anser, and Paul Casey. And, and I'll tell you why. They each – you look across the board and they, their ball striking is terrific. Uh, you know – Morikawa and answer, we know that. Their ball striking is always terrific. Morikawa, actually this year, saw an interesting stat. Uh, his, his strokes gained approach between number one, Morikawa, and number two, Paul Casey, is wider. There's a wider gap there than the gap between number two, Paul Casey, and number 55, Jason Kokrak. That's how historic Morikawa has been with the Irons this year. But the three things, or the thing, the one thing that gives me pause about those three guys is their sand saves. Morikawa, number two in my model, but 97th in the field in sand saves. And remind you again, that's, you know, in American bunkers. Answer, 91st in the field in sand saves. And Paul Casey, 104th in the field in sand saves. So that's just one where if you feel like they've got, you know, they've got some magician in them from the pot bunkers this week, their ball striking and everything else looks so spectacular that it puts them in the top 10. But the sand just worries me because there's going to be some guys and we're going to see it, you know, multiple times all week. There's going to be guys that get in there and they can't get out. They're going to be hitting out backwards. They're going to be hitting out sideways. They're going to be putting up eights and nines and huge numbers. So just interesting to maybe make that mental note that Morikawa answer and Casey, if everything goes right, 
can go out and win this event, but they can also struggle mightily, as we've seen in American bunkers. So just be aware of them uh, finding those pot bunkers over there in Kent, Sandwich, England. That's facts. Morikawa scares me around the green in general, maybe not even in a bunker. He's not. He's very deadly accurate with the irons, but his around the green game, along with answer, they're kind of like similar golfers. It's very, it's very weird how similar they are, and they both struggle around the green. But obviously, any given weekend, those are great points, though. I like it. I like it a lot. That's great analysis. Um, I'm going to go ahead and ask you all one more question. Do you all have any closing or final thoughts before we get out of here? I really don't. I mean, I just, it's going to be spectacular to watch. Uh, we're going to be all tired at the end of, you know, especially Thursday and Friday when the field is 156. We're going to be tired of staying up late and watching them early mornings. You know, that's what I typically do. I, I typically don't change my, my sleep schedule on the, on the front end. I still go to bed at the same time, but boy, if I wake up to, you know, use the bathroom at 448, it's, it's just time to stay up and get some open golf in on, on uh, golf channel and NBC. Yeah, I'm right along with it. That's that's yeah. I'm not gonna adjust. Yeah, I'm not gonna completely flip this the sleep schedule for one week. But yeah, if I find myself up at five six in the morning, I'll probably be watching, probably watching John Rahm and Brooks Koepka and those guys attack this golf course and see how this how this tournament can unfold. I love it. That's some real love for the sport. Always love that. Well, I think that's going to do it for today's show. Thank you all for listening, and thank you for Blaine for the great analysis. Uh, we hope to have you on again in the future. As always, please like and subscribe. Comment if you have any suggestions. We would love to hear your opinion. Spotify link will be posted in the description. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.